0: On the way, on the way, to the big check, you ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way, you ain't take a rest, cause you're too afraid, I'ma just eat till I'm overweight, on the way, on the way
1: up you guys welcome to the millionaire mindsets podcast my name is Deanna Kent I'm sitting here with my co-host Xavier Miller what's good y'all and today we have a very special guest joining us her name is Aisha Seldon she's a real estate investor and entrepreneur Aisha we want to welcome you to the show
2: thank you I'm glad to um I'm glad to be here I love doing these kinds of things <laughs> I get a lot of um requests for one-on-ones and mentorship which I don't really have the opportunity to do so I love doing these because they can reach a blanket number of people mm-hmm. One shot.
0: Cool. Yeah, yeah. We we super excited to have you on. We uh we did one with uh Jamisa from Rosebuds and she was okay. like, yep. she's yeah. yeah, she she like, Man, my man, she was she was just like going on and on about you. I'm like, man, for real? So I'm like, Yeah, I gotta do my research on her. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: yeah, ja- yeah. Jamisa, um she's um she's it's, she's amazing. I mean, she's yeah. super young with a bunch of properties. Like mm-hmm. I, I love just seeing her doing what she's doing. And she's hungry for um she's hungry for knowledge. I mean right. she's still going to events and she's networking. I mean she's she's gonna be by the time she's forty, she's gonna be like killing the game. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. facts, facts, facts. And the first question we always ask our guests is we say, like, uh, what was the start to you doing all things you're doing now? Like just giving a little background on yourself. Yep.
2: Yeah, so I um I mean I was in college, um, decided to get into financial services. I was a I was an economics and marketing major. So I knew I was gonna do something in econ or finance. Mm-hmm. So I started working um, my first job out of college. I started working as a as a stockbroker. So by trade, 19 years later, that's still what I'm doing. I'm a licensed broker. I've been doing that since June of 2000. So real estate made sense. I mean, I'm by trade an investor. So I'm always looking for opportunities to get the best risk adjusted return. Um, and it's interesting because normally real estate people are real estate people, stock people are stock people. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> one of the things that I've been able to to try to figure out how to do over the last 19 years, and I'm still learning every day, is how to mesh the two. I mean, I have stocks. I love stocks. Um, but real estate is probably, from a risk return standpoint, probably my favorite investment. But stocks is just easy, lazy money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's. I tell people all the time, just own something. You right. don't have to own real estate. You can own um, you know, you can own a mutual fund. You can park park money in a in a dividend paying stock. So it's it's you just got to own something. Mm,
0: that's dope. So your first deal, like, so how was that that first deal you you did?
2: So my very first deal, I um I was 24. I was still living at home with my mom. Had been working as a broker for two years, and um, I was like, you know what, the, the market is going it's it's going up. So I need to buy a property now. So hired a guy, he failed a foreclosed property for me, a HUD property, um, I paid $67,000 for it, very easy cosmetic work. Um, it was in a really cool area of Philly, it's actually a really nice area today, and even was back then. Paid 67 grand for it, got a mortgage on it, um, did the cosmetic work out of pocket, and I still own it today. I, mean, I bought that in 2002 right. um, at 24, and I still own that property today
0: wow so that's That's dope that's dope dope. and that's that's a very i'm glad you said that because that's a very interesting thing how you still holding on to it so what's the what's the mentality you have behind it because a lot of people like they get into real estate and it's all about flipping right now that's everybody that's like seeing what everybody want to do is just flip 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 and our mentality (laughs) since we got in it's always been to buy and hold like to just to get that money forever instead of just trying to get some quick bread
2: So my favorite, and I believe probably arguably the best investor out there is a guy named Warren Buffett. (laughs)
0: Right.
2: I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard of Warren Buffett. Um, Warren's whole time is forever. Now, he's usually talking about stocks. But um, in my mind, when I approach real estate, I'm like, if this guy's talking about a whole time of forever with stocks, why wouldn't I apply the exact same philosophy towards real estate? So... The good thing is I did hold on to that property because because I bought it in 2002 and, and and I bought another property in 2004, another rental property in 2004. And then I bought a primary residence into another primary residence in 2004. And I just held those three properties and didn't do anything else in real estate up until 2011. So I don't know if you guys were investing in 2011, but if you remember the landscape of what the, what the real estate market looked like, um, People couldn't get loans. Um, the, the, the market, the property values had dropped significantly. So thankfully, that property that I bought back in 2002 had, significant, had a significant amount of equity in it. I've been holding it for nine years, even with the real estate market pullback. There was a ton of equity in it. So I was thinking with the market so low right now, why would I not tap into the equity in that building that I bought nine years ago? and use that to take advantage of the downturn in the market. And that's exactly what I did. So I used that equity, I pulled 54,000. I remember I got a a home equity line of credit. I I pulled $54,000 out of that rental property. Technically it was my primary primary residence on paper. Um, I pulled the equity out and used that to buy a property in South Philadelphia in 2011. Um, I used it to acquire it, another cosmetic rehab. I did the cosmetic rehab out of pocket um, and the property appraised for about $110,000, 120000 after I rented it. Uh, and then I went to the bank and said, look, I've got this property. It's, you know, obviously worth $110,000, It's now rented. Can you give me a loan on this property? And I did back then. I didn't know it had a term for it. I did what is now called BRR. Or, 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 <laughs> or that strategy. Yeah. So <clears throat> in retrospect, thank God I wasn't the person who would just sell something because I wouldn't have had the equity to tap into to literally then that started. I mean, that was the that was the piggy bank that basically started my entire portfolio. So that property I bought in 02, I used that equity to then build from two thousand between two thousand eleven and two thousand and eighteen. Because I only bought one house this year, I bought a, a place actually out in Cali, uh, in California in L A. Okay. Uh, but from twenty eleven to twenty eighteen, I think I probably bought thirty, almost forty units or something like that. Probably over forty units. Uh, and that all started with that equity piggy bank that I bought in 2002, and you know it's it's funny because that those houses that I bought the the first one in South Philly that I bought with that equity, um, people told me back then. I mean, they were like, "Oh, it appraises for 110, 120. You should sell it." I'm like, no, I'm not going to sell it. It's got a good tenant in it. I I only pulled 50 grand out of it once it was rented. So I had a small mortgage on it, so it was obviously cash flowing. So it, by 2013, 2014, that house that I paid. 50 some thousand for and put maybe 12,000 of a cosmetic rehab into people were like, Oh, you should sell it. It's worth, you know, one ninety two hundred thousand now. And I'm like, no, nah, I, th- you know, like my whole time is forever. Um, the house literally right next door to it, connected to it, uh, just sold for 425,000 six months ago or something. You
0: know so, means.
2: so listen, <laughs> ha- imagine had I sold that property, right. um, back in 2011 or in 2014, I would be physically nauseous. I would be, (laughs) I would be sick. So no, my, my whole time is forever. And it's it's not bothering anyone. So, you know, what I, what I started to do with the whole BR or, or, I mean, I, I just got nervous having that much debt and that many mortgages um, so as my rent roll kicked up and I was really, really cautious about making sure that I didn't take out more than I needed to buy the next property. And I always had my own savings that I'd use for the, the rehabs or cosmetic rehabs. Um, as my rent roll really started to pick up, I started paying those mortgages down. And then I had another business cause I never quit my job. I, I was doing that in addition to, um, my job as a stockbroker, which I, I still do today. Um, so I was able to, to pay all of those mortgages off. So then this was all free and clear cash flow. Right. So it was just, I mean, it was like a snowball. The thing just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So then I started buying properties that were cheaper, that needed a whole lot more work. And we were able to just do that from rent home. So.
0: Wow. That's, that's, mm-hmm. what's so dope about that is how you just saying like, you pretty much want to hold on to it to forever. So I want to ask you, cause when I tell people that they always respond, they're like, so what's the point? Like, when do you ever go like, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Like, be able to like reap the reward for you having the property and it going up in value. So what what, you, what would your response be to that? Because people ask me that all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, quite frankly, I feel like my reward is greater um, because I mean at this point, um, at this point, my rental my rent roll, geez, it, I mean it probably brings in three hundred and fifty thousand a year, approximately. So well. that's the reward. Like, you, you telling me to, <laughs> to flip something for 50 grand a time? You talking? You're <laughs> like, not I like I don't even think that they quite understand what right. a reward is. I mm. mean, sure I could flip something today and make 50,000 or 60,000 um but why on earth would I do that? You know, it's it's I'm I'm just adding to the bucket. I mean, this is this is right. a long game. This is not about a quick fifty thousand dollar check, or a quick seventy thousand, or a quick hundred thousand dollar check. Because once you cash that check,
0: you ain't getting it
2: no more. It, it's over, and then exactly. you got to keep working. You got to exactly. keep flipping. You got to keep dealing with contracts. You got to so keep, de- you know. Ultimately, I can put this thing on autopilot if I want. I can either sell all my all my units and buy a hundred unit building or whatever, whatever it is I want to do. Get a property manager and just sit in my little place in LA and collect checks, or I can be as active in it as I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, the thing people need to realize is, um, real estate is a very cyclical business. It's very cyclical. So the, 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 you get while the getting's good and it's been really, really good for the last 10 years, 11 years or so. Um, it's not always going to be this good and people who, um, you know, flippers become what they hate when the market downturns when the the music stops and they're holding a flip that they can't sell they become landlords anyway Mm -hmm. so the reality is it's it's if it is a long game i just want i just want a thousand dollars every single door you want to give me a thousand dollars a month every single door i'm good playing that game because that's that's a that's a good long game
0: facts that's for real for real So, so how many how many properties do you own
2: so i own 44 units um that's a i think it's maybe 30 31 buildings so some are single family most of my property most of my portfolio are single family properties and then i have some multis in there as well Mm. so it's 44 doors um i don't know the exact breakdown of i think it might be like 25 single families and then six multis or something like that
0: okay and that's there you go there you go
1: so something i have for you i know that you said on instagram sorry if i got the number correct but i believe you say it was between 11 and 13 properties you rehabbed this year alone so when you get ready to search for a deal do you primarily look for those fixer uppers or will you just go with whatever makes the most sense
2: so early on i was doing just cosmetic rehabs um because i i didn't early on the the type of jobs that I do today and if you ever look at my Instagram page like if you look back I mean I've got some buildings that like you crack the front door open and there's no house I mean there's no there's no roof there's no back wall like like literally the entire building needs to be taken out if it's not already it's not already gone. Um, So today I'll pretty much take on anything I like cheap houses and Um, The 11 units that I've rehabbed and rented so far this year, some of them have been in my inventory for years. So what I spent 2011 to 2018 doing, because I knew the market was so freaking cheap, I was just buying anything really I could get my hands on. Um, I was at tax lien auctions. And the neat thing about Philly is I was buying houses at six, seven thousand dollars. And I would just, you know, maybe put a roof on it, put some windows in it, put a board on the door, and I'll get to it when I got the cash flow to to, to rehab it. So a lot of these units that I'm finally getting to now, I've owned for three, four years, and I'm finally just getting around to them. Mm. That's
1: dope. And one more question for you. Um, I've seen on your Instagram you talk about the story of Bucktooth, a property you were renovating. Is that property done or is that still in the works? Because I was like is- invested into it.
2: That is um that is still in the work. So Bucktooth was um that's 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 gonna be by far the most expensive rehab that I've ever three bedroom rehab I've ever done. I mean it's um that that's one heck of a project. And and the reason it's take, taking so long is the city just won't let me be, be great. I mean, I would have run through that building, demoed it, rehab built it back up in a very short period of time, but the city is um They're obviously making us take all the extra precautions on it. In fact, they're even making me put a sprinkler system in this property. I mean, it's a single-family, three-bedroom house, and I've got to put a sprinkler system in like you would a multifamily uh, property, and it's only a two-story building. So the city's putting me through a bit of wringer right now. The holdup is I can't start my interior plumbing until my exterior plumbing is done. I can't start my exterior plumbing until my sprinkler guy has his old design layout and his permit submitted. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm currently
0: waiting on. I'm waiting with my sprinkler guy. Okay, that makes sense. And something, <laughs> something I want to ask is, cause you mentioned how most of your properties are single families. And I'm like, that's really interesting because you are it's like always two different sides of the fence. You always people say, you know, I don't really mess with single families. Then you got people say, oh, I, that's what I do. So we're like, what's your mindset on that? Cause I think like at the end of the day, a good deal is a good deal. No matter if it's a multi-unit or it, a single family. So what's your
2: perspective? I, I 100% agree. Um, Right now I'm only um, the last I'd say probably four buildings I bought which were all 2018 they were all multifamilies. I'm not really I'm not really that much interested in buying new single families um, but the ones that I have I mean I, I, I've got a have got a lot of respect and love for single family properties I mean they're um, they're more liquid so if, if and when I want to sell them I can sell them to either an owner occupant resident or I can sell them to an investor. So they tend to sell quicker and also tenants tend to stay longer. Mm-hmm. You know, my apartments, tenants are like, you know, they can't really grow families there. So they tend to leave faster. Single families, tenants stay longer. So, and I hate turnovers.
0: Mm. You want to say something? Uh, I, and something else I want to was, uh, <laughs> I, you I know you talk about uh like buying in the, in the hood a lot. And that's something that we kind of talk about as well. And with something that we do. So like, what's your like, reasoning and perspective
2: on it? Um, I mean, I don't know how well you you guys know the Philly market, but, I mean, philly, Philly's philly got some rough, rough patches. But the best returns are in the hood. So I'm totally comfortable. I mean, I'm from South Philly. I'm from the hood. So if you have the appetite for the, the, the risk, do it. You'll get a much better return. I mean, I'm pretty much getting on some of my – you know, the, the one that I just put up today that we'll rent, um, probably within the next four weeks or so I'm getting a 15% cap rate, I think on that house.
0: Mm,
2: damn. Um, so, you know, it's, you can get, I mean, I, at one point, I mean, on my, on my much cheaper deals, cause I paid 50,000 for that house, but the houses I paid six, 7,000 for, I mean, I was getting cap rates in like the mid twenties. I mean, at one point I had a rule like if. If I don't make my money back in five years, if I'm not getting at least a 20% cap, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you you can do that in the hood. Yeah, I mean, you're not right. doing that. You're not doing that in New York City. You're not doing that in, in L.A. So right. you'll get a much better return. It's it's, it's always so interesting to me that people, you know, when people say, I'm investing in real estate and I'm hoping to get a 6% return. It's like... Go park your money in a mutual fund for six like, percent. Why would you? <laughs> why would you deal with all the things that we have to deal with with contractors, tenants, and all this other stuff for six percent?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, That's 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 a good perspective to have on it. That's, that's, we see it the same way, pretty much. Trying to buy, it. like you said, you don't you don't get no returns like you doing the hood. Like mm-hmm. you just <laughs> no returns yep. at all. Yeah. And something else, uh, I want to actually. You, you I, I seen you said something on Instagram. You were saying how like it's just dope how. Uh, like your tenants children could see that you look like them and I'm like damn mm-hmm. that's that that's real to me because like I know how when I was when uh when I was coming up we used to have this tenant and she was black and that was like the first I'm like damn that was that kind of over I remember seeing her like damn she owned this building that's kind of dope yeah. So, yeah listen that's
2: that's that's huge you know it, it, because just, I mean, representation matters. Right. You know, it's, it's, I, I'll never forget our landlord, Mr. Mitch, who looked nothing like us. And, you know, when you, when, when you put in a kid's mind, like the person that owns the building, the person that you pay rent to, um, is, is a white man or, you know, or a white woman. like, they, they look nothing like you, you know, that, that plant seeds early, you know, on the, on the flip side, when I see my tenants' kids, and, p- and some people, it's it's so ma- amazing how people on social media take things the wrong way. Like, you know, well, your tenant should own a home. Like, not everybody's going to own a home. Right. You know, exactly. <clears throat> maybe the mother's not going to own a home because for whatever reason, maybe she doesn't want to, or for a variety of different reasons. But um, for her children to then see as as five and six year olds or ten year olds that our landlord, the person who owns this building, looks like me, I can own a building. You know, right. it, it, that that little seed alone. Um, can change generations. Mm. Really? So I think I think it's I think it's huge. I mean I know a lot of people use property managers and and that's okay. You know, we um we each can handle and can't handle different things. Mm. But you know I'm 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 the one I talk to my tenants. I, I show up and I love meeting their kids.
0: Mm. And and something else I want to talk about, I feel like this is going going to be very uh, helpful to a lot of investors out there. <coughs> was when you, you discussed on Twitter about uh, individual LLCs, and you said uh, having individual LLCs is all fun and games, so you have to pay a CPA to file Penn state, local taxes on dozens of them. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, you are dropping games. So I want you to just touch on that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a different perspective. And the reason I posted it that day is because I was literally getting invoices from my accountant for all of my various LLCs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was doing the exact same thing. 123 Main Street LLC and mm-hmm. 246 uh, West Street LLC for every single individual property. Um, the challenge is, you know, my accountant's like, okay, now we have to pay for filing for every single one of these LLCs. I Like, they have to be paid. Um, for filing all of those individual LLCs, and that that can that can become expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I pointed out a, a number of different things that people are people are doing. And, and on my Instagram page, it was actually a really um, good dialogue with a lot of people on different things that they're doing. A lot of people are now moving away from LLCs and starting mm-hmm. trusts instead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen people where they'll open one LLC for one calendar year. They'll open, let's say. Seldon 2019 Rental Holdings LLC and anything they buy in 2019 will go into that LLC. Okay. Um, I've seen people have a hard dollar limit uh, where they'll say they'll put at least a million dollars in every LLC. Once it hits that million dollar threshold, they'll shut it down. I mean, the risky run there is Blue. rapid appreciation, right. for example. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And you know, of course, that's different for different areas. I mean, if, if I were, you know, if you do, if you were doing that in L.A. at a million bucks, that's basically one property. One every right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, here in Philly, you know, it's your, your numbers going to look a little different. So, I mean, I, I think it's all about, and I think it's a healthy discussion. I think it's important to um, talk to professionals and really just kind of get what what's the best solution that will work for you i think somebody even pointed out talking to a tax advisor or an attorney who's also an investor is helpful right mm-hmm. you know because of course your accountant's going to say one thing but if if they're not a real estate investor you know not to say what the hell do they know but what the hell do they know <laughs> <laughs>
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, another thing like Another thing I feel like is um, something else we need to discuss. Something I've seen you talk about was wholesaling, which is extremely popular right now. And a lot of people want to get into real estate by starting off with wholesaling. And I have seen you mentioned that, you know, wholesaling isn't investing or buying real estate. It's two completely different things. So what are your thoughts on that and how do you feel about it in general?
2: So, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. And, And here's, and I actually have no problems at all with wholesaling. And I think, um, you know, some people who saw my post book, yeah, it was on it my personal. page, it was on, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how it, it was like, yeah, it was like, I talked about their mama, like one You're guy, right. like on one page where I'd said something before I even made the actual post, I mean, he got, he got real mad. I'm like, you know, so you know, I be. have no, I have no problems with wholesaling right. at all. The, the challenge is I don't like gimmicks, you know, I don't like cons. I don't like something being presented um, in, in ways that it's not. So the reason I addressed it was actually initially from a video that I saw that was advertising, here's how you get um, here's how you invest and buy real estate with no cash uh, and bad credit. And it was a plug for wholesaling. And I commented that simply because I, I see that quite a bit. I see all the time seminars propaganda that's pushing the idea that wholesaling is in fact investing i was on black wealth renaissance's page it's a great page Mm -hmm. and someone had commented who said it was investing a lot of people say wholesaling is investing yeah i mean maybe they haven't seen half these classes or the gurus that are out here basically pushing wholesaling as investing and it's and it's not and it's it's totally okay if you want to do it to build capital i think i mean just like flipping just like uh, getting a second job or, or building some other business. I mean, it's it's I I get it, but we can't say it's the same thing as ownership. And I I don't want <clears throat> I don't want the other side of this um, economy to come uh, to to come around and people people have nothing. You know, they're they're looking back on having cashed one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year worth of checks, and they have nothing to show for it. I mean, that would be that would be this, this entire renaissance, this entire. I mean, we're. I think we're making as a people, I think we're making excellent strides. It would be a sin at the end of wholesaling for five years or 10 years. And you don't own a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So for me, it's like I'm going to get called out my name for saying this. But I need people to know you need to own something, mm-hmm. period.
0: Yep, and that's real, and that's even on our last episode. Uh, we uh, had a guy that hold that wholesale, and I was saying how at the end of the day, your goal should be using that wholesale money to get passive income, create other streams, where you ain't gotta yep. be out here working and sweating and going door to door locking up deals. That should be the whole goal. And like, it's funny that you say like how people come at your neck because when I realized, especially on Twitter, like if you come out saying something that's it could just be like basic common sense, but if it got some level of like perspective that people never heard of they're gonna be like at your neck mm-hmm. i'll just be like whatever that's just that's cool for
2: me i already I already know how it, how it goes but uh <laughs> yeah
1: it is, it is i mean
2: it is what it is i mean yeah. you know i've got i've got pretty thick skin yeah you know my my biggest thing is i'll start i'll start arguing with somebody like i, I you know i'm from south philly i can't help it so um so you know at this, at this point if it's not if, if something's not directed directly at me i think i've at least matured to a point where i can just ignore it move on you know i I won't even acknowledge it um but i you know and how how i feel about this is if if we can touch or impact if if my post about what wholesaling is and is not if that can impact one person or two people and and inspire them to think you know what she's right I do need to own something. I do need something that's either going to give me equity or future income or future possible uh, potential appreciation. Let me take some of this money and park it somewhere that I'm going to have ownership. If that just reaches one or two people, I'm good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, exactly. If I if I offend fifty people, but one or two people own something, and then that creates a legacy that they can pass that, I'm, I'm cool.
0: Facts, yeah. facts. And uh, another another thing I want to talk about is something else I seen you talk about on Twitter. You were saying about the recession. And this is a topic that i always like talking about because I, like I say all the time. The last time we had a recession, I was like a, I mean I was like what? It was like 10 years ago. So I was oh, like really? mm-hmm. yeah, 10 years ago I was 16. So I mean, I, you know I went no bread when it, like I don't you know what I'm saying, you was 13. So we went like, you know what I'm saying, we was no like bread with babies. <laughs> right. We were we was just like all right, They're like whatever. You know you black you you know if your family ain't doing well like that, it don't really feel different for real. So you don't really understand it. But what I seen, yep. you, you said that like the next recession, he was like, we all gonna get knocked over the head. And he was like, uh, three things that should be in, uh, everybody's survival: could is low leverage properties with a solid, solid cash flow cushion of two hundred dollars a month, good credit, and cash and access to credit lines. And I'm like, damn, that's that's real. That's like something that we always talk about. We just say. When we get into deals, worst, if it's the worst case scenario, we can't handle it. We don't do the deal. So yeah. and, and we don't over leverage ourselves. But I just want you to go into that a little bit more.
2: You know, I I feel like um, history has a tendency to repeat itself, right? So so ten years ago, I owned property, right? I owned um, I owned at the time, I think three or four properties um, back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, like right before the the, the big recession. Um, the Great Recession. I also owned a stock portfolio. I had a I had a, a business, so I lived how bad things got. You know, I I bought. In fact, here's a here's a great example. I bought a property in 2007. So that was like the very peak of the market. I paid 319 thousand for it. It was a house I lived in, a condo I lived in. I paid three nineteen for it in 2007. I could probably sell that thing today for maybe two hundred and ten thousand. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So imagine if I had gone ham and bought like 10 of them things. So it's rented. It's rented right now. I lose because it's got a condo fee and it's got high taxes. It was a new construction condo. Very lovely place. Um, But it's in a high tax area and it's got a condo fee. I lose about 400 a month on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Imagine if I thought, what a great idea to buy 10 of these. Mm-hmm. Right. F- 400 a month is not that big of a deal when you only got one. Imagine right. if I had 10 of them and was losing four grand a month. Awesome. That's what you call that's what you call game over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So the reason I talk a lot about the recession and I talk a lot about why it's important to not be over leveraged and I talk about why it's OK to, to buy. Right. One of my posts was um, at the peak of the market. Never buy new construction, condo in a high tax area, because that's like the kiss of death when the market pulls back. Um, I think that people fail to realize there were a lot of mistakes that bankrupted investors back in the last recession. And you can pinpoint all the mistakes that they made. Over leverage is one of the big mistakes that a lot of investors made. You know, they were pulling out 80, 85% and some investors were getting like these bogus appraisals Pulling out, you know, closer to what is actually about a hundred percent of the actual value, and then the market pulls back, and a lot of investors lost their shirts. You know, because when suddenly they're losing two, three hundred dollars a month on a property, it's that's fine if it's one, but if you bought twenty or thirty of them, mm-hmm. it's a wrap. It's, it's it's game over. It's that's just going. Just go ahead and file that Chapter Seven, Chapter Eleven. Just go ahead and file it. Good luck next time.
0: <laughs> and man, that's that's crazy because that's so real. Like you, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, and I don't want to like speak on the from a from a bad point of view on it. But I feel like a lot of people. That's probably gonna happen because I see a lot of people just 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 taking out a lot of loans just, just to get in the real estate. It's like damn, when that market crashes.
2: And, you know, the crazy thing is it's a lot of young people who didn't um, who didn't go through the last right. recession. Right. And then they like when I say something like don't over leverage, don't pull more than 60, max 70 percent out of that building. They look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what the hell do you know, old lady? All right. Good luck. Let me know how that works out for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having lived through the recession, um, you know, and, and I, I I will say, um, in their defense, I guess. Uh, I don't think that the next recession will be as bad as the last one. Mm -hmm. I don't think most Americans even quite realize, sorry, I'm in downtown Philly, it's a little loud, but um, I don't think most Americans realize how close our economy was to actually collapsing Mm -hmm. uh, with the subprime lending crisis back in 2008. So I don't think that the next recession will be as bad, but I mean, if you're yanking out a ton of equity and your cash flow margins are really tight, you can have some problems still.
0: Big problems That's
1: yeah. part- very easily yeah i know you mentioned like a common thing for people in real estate and stocks is usually you're either all in real estate or all in stocks but so we like to preach it's better to diversify your portfolio so with a possible recession how important do you think it is to have your portfolio diverse in that sense?
2: so <clears throat> it's funny that you say that because my my point about my post was really about the fact that if you own real estate and if you own stocks if a recession hits. You can get knocked over your head. I mean, if you own stocks, I mean, most stocks are going to get hit. If you own real estate, your real estate's going to get hit. Um, you know, if you're if all of your income is one business and it's, let's say, real estate related, you also will get knocked over the head. I mean, you know, that's why people preach about having multiple streams of income because if you're, if 100% of your revenue is entirely real estate related and we have a recession, I mean, think about, whole, you know, if, you, if you're, if your number one job is all wholesaling, there weren't a lot of wholesalers that survived the last recession. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find one wholesaler back in 2011, but from 2008 to 2011, they all starved because investors couldn't get, I mean, who, who's giving you a, who's paying your sign fees if you can't even get investors that can uh, buy the properties because they can't get credit. Banks froze credit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, I mean, cash investors were, were, were winning, but there cash investors were far and few between. So i uh, yeah. That's why I, I I preach a lot about having ownership, because if you're if you're 100 percent of your revenue is wholesaling and you don't have any rentals or passive income that's coming in, what are you going to do when investors go scarce? They dry up.
0: Mm. Mm. See, see that's why I love this conversation so much. Like you are like you are often hear like uh, people say like, man. I only like talking to younger people because they only listen. I'm like, that ain't me. When I talk to somebody <laughs> that's like that's been through it, I'm playing close, I'm close, notes. close to taking notes. Like, cause like anytime I talk to some, we have somebody on the show that's been through the uh, the 2007 recession. I make sure I ask them a bunch of questions. Like, okay, makes sure, because I'm taking notes. Like, okay, I'm not gonna do this. This is what I'm gonna do. So I definitely appreciate you dropping them, uh, dropping that game about that. And, uh, yep. And something, I, I know something else I want to ask. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, if somebody that wants to get started in real estate, we always ask the real estate people this as well. What would be your advice for someone that's starting at uh, Ground Zero? So, <laughs> I get that question a lot. And,
2: um, you know, a lot of people usually come to me when they come to me with that question in fact i just got one right before i jumped on the call i happened to look at my dms and a guy said how can i get into real estate with no cash and bad credit Mm -hmm. and i said you you don't you don't right yeah you, you don't um you know basically you need to fix your credit and go raise some capital so if that looks like wholesaling to raise your capital and pay off some things that are on your credit report do that if that's go starting a business that you're more interested in if you're not interested in wholesaling go do that um, I think the thing about, and, and this is, there it's like that step that a lot of investors or would-be investors miss is that foundation piece, which is the discipline that it takes to acquire capital and to make sure that your credit sc- your credit score is high. So, because we all know that once that rent roll starts coming in and once you got a lot of equity in the building, if you didn't, if you skip that foundation step, which is acquiring the discipline that you need, you end up making bad decisions. Right, so if you get a big check because you flip the property, or you suddenly have a hundred thousand dollars in equity sitting in a piggy bank inside of a property, if you don't have the discipline that it takes, that you would have gotten by saving money to build capital and fixing your credit, you're gonna pull that money out and you're gonna trick off on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Period. right? Right, and then when the market pulls back, you're gonna end up losing that property because suddenly you got a too big mortgage on it. Your tenant leaves or it's, you know, suddenly the roof, the roof needs to be replaced and your hot water tank needs to be replaced. You don't have the money to do it because you pulled all the equity out and you were in Miami for six straight months, um, tricking off with cash. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, we, we see it, we see it all the time. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying don't have a little fun. Um, but I'm saying you got a whole lot of other stuff to do first. Mm, that's deep. i ran into an investor um not long ago she um she said look i really need your help i'm about to lose uh, a property it's about to go into foreclosure and i said i said how long has has the tenant been going i said you know like you you're not getting rent she said oh no i'm getting rent but i'm about to lose it because the mortgage hasn't been paid mm-hmm. and i'm like well what you been doing with the rent right and she was like oh you know i had a lot of stuff coming up in my life That i need to take care i'm like that wasn't oh, your money, right. like that. That that wasn't that wasn't your money to spend. I mean, I think most of us right. lose sight of the fact that for thirty years, basically, that's the bank's house. As long as you got a mortgage on it, make sure you have some control. But that house doesn't belong to you, and it's demonstrated by the fact that if you let you not pay that mortgage long enough, the bank's <laughs> going to take their house. Mm-hmm. so I'm like. So so there was a step that she missed. She missed that step of having the discipline to make sure that that mortgage gets paid because that's not her money. She's basically like a conduit from of taking taking money from one person and handing it over to another. And that's what I do as a as a as a real estate investor. Literally, literally a tenant PayPal me money. I PayPal that immediately to a contractor because I needed him to do work on some of the property. Mm-hmm. I you know, I'm basically like funneling funneling money. She missed that step where the money that came in from her tenant should have gone immediately to that. mortgage. Like that wasn't even really her money. Hell, she, if she even had the discipline, she should have had the tenant paying the mortgage directly and just got the bills to make sure that or saw the statements to make sure it was paid. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge is most investors or would-be investors miss that early step. And if I had to tell an investor to do one thing first, make sure that foundation is solid. Make sure that discipline is on point.
0: Wow, that's mm-hmm. that's so interesting about the, the like the funneling perspective because like that's so true. Even though I never really looked at the li- looked at it that way, because like we just got paid uh, fifteen hundred from one of our properties, and as soon as we got paid that, we just paid another thousand to get something fixed on another property. So that's like, so I'm just thinking like yeah, that's, 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 that's this money. Yeah, yep. that's all it is. Just getting the money and paying instead of going to trick off or you know mm-hmm. going by. A pair of red bottles
2: or something. Just, so that's... us mm. yep. No, y'all passing y'all passing the plate and yeah. and the fancy term for what you're doing is called reinvesting.
0: You're right, reinvesting. So I mean, right.
2: it, yeah, you're, you're you're reinvesting it. You're putting back putting it back into um putting it back into your business. You're putting it back into your properties. And those kind of decisions will pay off. Yeah, you know, I, I, I said something earlier in my post about the the longer you can do that, and the the greater percentage of your rental portfolio or your rental income that you can do that. Those small snowflakes, that small rent, they become snowballs and those snowballs get larger. And they become avalanches. So the more you can reinvest into your business, the quicker your business will take off or the, the quicker your rental portfolio will take off. <clears throat> and the bigger your passive income will be faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I
1: agree. And I really like how I, I know you mentioned on Instagram that you kept your job, too, and yeah. used a lot of the income you were making for your job to reinvest back into your business as well.
2: Yep. yep. Yeah, I ain't going nowhere. People always ask me, like, well, when you quitting your job? I'm like, I'm quitting my job. I ain't, hey, that's, I that's, that's very
0: interesting. Listen, like, that's,
2: I ain't going nowhere. Wow. Like, I mean, and and the thing is, this is of course, um, this is of course considering um, you, you know you don't hate your job, you're not stressed right. out every morning when you get a like I, I have a lot of flexibility. Um, I have zero reason to um, to retire from what I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's interesting. And, and like we were just having this conversation the other day I was saying how it's a different when you when you go to work and you know that you don't you know, you don't absolutely need that money it's like it's a different kind of vibe you walk through the office like I'm gonna get everything done. Ain't no rush. Don't talk to me crazy, cause I I could I could leave at any time. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in
2: in all fairness, I will say. So you guys know I'm a I'm a licensed stockbroker. Um, my job, I actually own it. It's a franchise oh, I have. No, that's mine. No, that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's mine. So uh, yeah, I should probably point that. Right. I should probably point that. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
2: <laughs> People. Man, people get mad when I like forget that part right. of it. Like they like, but wait, like yeah. you don't have a job, right,
1: right. right? You made it
0: sound like you was going to work with somebody, made right? You like, hold on, let me make sure I own that. I'm like, oh, lady, you don't <laughs> work with nobody. I'm thinking she's going to clock in there and or something. Right. Right.
2: <laughs> Oh, right, that's crazy. Never mind. Never mind. Today, right, never
0: mind. I take that whole comment back.
1: But the point is still true, though. You know, if you do have a job, don't be in such a rush to quit because you can't yeah, yeah. reinvest
0: that money. Facts. Facts. And uh, I, only, right. I only got uh, two more questions for you, and one is kind of just like I remember when we was talking to Jamieson, and she was like, she was when she was talking about you, she was like, she pretty much don't spend none of her money. She like every every uh, from all her investments, she don't spend none of it. And I remember she, I was like, what? I was, like, I gotta talk to her just to just to be like what's the, like, I don't know, like, what's the, the like, where are you, like, not the reasoning, but, like, what do you, get, like, because most people, 99% of people don't think like that. They're going to get that way, yeah. and they're going to do something, so I'm like, well, what's where'd that
2: come from? Yeah, I mean, a part of that is just who I am. I mean, it's it's kind of innate in me. I was, like, cheat kid, and, and and some of that has, has changed. Um, I mean, I think I'd probably spend and live a little bit more lavishly than I used to, but um, I mean, I'm comfortable. Like, I don't, like, I don't need, I don't need much. I'm not a, I'm not a clothes person. I'm not a, like, I don't, I don't need all that crap. And I think for me, I look at it like crap. It's just, it's not important to me. Like, having a, having a, a 10,000 square foot house, that's not important to me. I got a, I got a nice little one bedroom apartment. Um, that's fine. LA 2019, that was a splurge. I mean, that buying that house and that's going to be for, for my personal use. Mm-hmm. Um, that was years of me making the decision to be frugal, I think. And I mean, I, I, like a part of me misses my more frugal self. I mean, I used to be, I used to be a real miser. I mean, I wasn't spending nothing. <laughs> wow. That's, that's,
0: that's amazing though. Like I definitely salute that. Like I, I admire that. Most people probably would be like, damn, I admire that for real. And the, my yeah. life.
2: I mean, I think, I think there's, I mean, I think there's probably a balance, but I think the biggest challenge, and, and I hear this all the time, especially with our people, is like, you know, tomorrow's not promised. Right. right? Like, uh, not, I hate when nothing really good. Listen, nothing gets on my nerves more yeah. than I hate that. I hate
0: that.
2: Listen, nothing gets on my nerves more than tomorrow's not promised. Like, well, shut <laughs> up. You know, because the fact of the matter is, if you drop dead tomorrow, like you can't even you don't even have funeral money. Yeah, exactly. Like, you gonna leave us with your bills? Like, at exactly. least you can have is the fifteen to put you in the ground. Like, right. can you at least have that? If, if tomorrow's not promised, you think you about to check out? The least you can have is you know a few stacks. So that we ain't got to set up a GoFundMe account to get this thing paid for. So, I mean, it's it's sure there's probably a balance somewhere between the two, but I think that most people err on the side of that tomorrow's not promised. Statistically, you'll be here into your eighty. So, like, get, get yourself together.
1: Mm-hmm. Facts,
0: that's real. I, like, I hate that statement as well. I'm trying
1: to justify your bad spending habits. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
2: absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and the last question I have, we always ask our guests is uh do do you feel as if you have an obligation to give back to your community not just financial but just like access to resources information because i see what you do like on instagram even on twitter like you don't even you don't even show your face a lot but it's constant like information like if you go down your feet you're gonna get some game and have Mm -hmm. some new you know i'm saying stuff that you can take action with so do you feel obligated to do those things
2: Yes and yes financially and otherwise okay. I absolutely feel like it's our obligation I mean I I I I I believe in the adage who much is given much is required um and uh, you know I I don't um I don't I don't talk to my investor friends who I know who are more quiet because I mean Philly's a Philly's a rough city you know and you hear a lot like you probably shouldn't like flash so much mm-hmm. in Philly you might get knocked over like, and like mm-hmm. so you know, I I, I I get that. I don't let fear drive me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look down on another investor who chooses to be quieter. I mean, because Philly's got a lot of people who are low key quiet, just out here like making it happen. Um, but I feel like I do have a responsibility to pay it forward because there's so much. There's so there's there's so many of us that have never been educated in this area. Like, just we just don't know. I mean, I got. I got some of the best leadership development um like that you could get in life just as a new as a new stockbroker i mean i got i got access to i mean the harvard business reviews that i went through the case studies i went through the books i was forced to read i mean that was just sheer like god's direction like and now like that's exactly why i have this instagram platform to try to like teach people all the crap that i got um so that we can we can move forward as a culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much our same mission as well and before you wrap up we just want to say we definitely 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 appreciate you taking time out today to come on top up, chop it up with us like this was super dope and we just want to say we really appreciate it and before you go do you mind dropping all your uh links and all that stuff so people can find you on social
2: media or whatever it is <laughs> Yep. So I'm on uh, Instagram mostly at Aisha Selden. So that's A Y E S H A S E L D E N all together. Uh, and I'm on Twitter, same handle. Okay. So I, I, this was great, uh, and I love the fact that you guys are doing this kind of stuff. This is exactly what our community needs.
0: Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, that's uh, <laughs> and we act we are, we are uh, actually gonna be in uh, Philly next month. I'll, 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 oh. Yeah, I'll hit you up offline about it.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, what yeah. part? Of, what part of Cali are you guys
0: in? We in there, uh, Sacramento. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, okay, the yeah, Bay
0: Area. Yeah, okay, okay, gotcha, so, yeah, gotcha. I in, like, I like that. Yeah, it's I got a up there.
2: yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, I, I, we definitely
0: appreciate you. Oh, yeah, cool! Yeah, Ooh, yeah, nice yeah. to meet you guys, nice, and uh, yeah. let's link up offline. Yeah, yep. All okay. right, but that was another episode of the that Mindset Podcast with Aisha selden She dropped a lot of gems on the episode. I think. uh I think a lot of you guys could take some stuff she said on that and apply it to your life. And then wrapping up, for those who don't know, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. And D. what's your info? And you can find me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent, Instagram Deanna Kent or Kent Real
1: Estate. And if you want to learn more about real estate investing, don't forget you can book a consultation with us at www.parkhillconsultantservices.com. And don't forget to rate and subscribe this episode.
0: Yep. And that's all we got for y'all. Appreciate y'all for listening to this episode. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take a risk cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, lot of shit on the way. On the
1: way.